This episode of Talking Smack contains spoilers for the Disney Plus series The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Check out the Offtopia podcast where we discuss art, music, and writing. The show is available on all major platforms, and consider joining our Discord and meeting our community. Offtopia. Can't stop, won't stop. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Talking Smack, where we talk superheroes, movies, animation, and comics. I am your host, Josh Scar. I am back from my vacation. And joining me this week, I am extraordinarily excited to have her. We have Rainy from the Red Dove podcast. Rainy, how are you doing today? Hi, I'm doing fantastic. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to be here. We are very excited to have you. Uh, you are from the Red Dove podcast, which is an activist podcast, if I remember correctly from the description. I'll, I'll let you explain it. You can probably explain it a lot better than I could. Uh, but please let us know a little bit about your podcast before we move on. Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah. So um, we're a bit of a variety show. We do uh, activism is one of our biggest things. We are female storytellers and our stories uh, center on activism and mental health and black women. But it's pretty much just the three of us talking and, and shooting the shit around a kitchen table, basically. So it's just into the lives of, you know, three very different women. But we are all, you know, we'd like to think we're experts in what we do. But <laughs> Yeah. So it's Don't just we all right. <laughs> so thank you again. Uh, you are here to talk about the one year anniversary of the Falcon and the Winter Soldier with me. And I honestly could not be more excited to talk about this with uh, someone who can give a, a little extra perspective on what it means to be a person of color or a, a, have a black superhero in your life. That means a lot. I love Captain America, any version of it. The Sam Wilson one is primed to be really good. But first off, We've been gone for two weeks and there is some serious stuff we need to talk about. And that is we at Talking Smack 1000% support the people of the Ukraine. Anyone who says that, I, I'm not even going to put words in people's mouths. Anyone who praises Vladimir Putin can fuck off. Anyone who has anything positive to say about this man, don't, don't bother doing anything with our podcast. We don't need you in our community. We don't want you part of our community unless you are willing to admit that this man is just vile and anyone, any political party in the US that supports him or praises him in any way, I'm talking to you, Donald Trump and your Republican party, you can fuck right off. Don't care how many listeners this potentially loses us. If we drop from 20 to 15, I don't care. It's about moral obligation and in this circumstance vladimir putin and anyone who praises him supports him they can go straight to hell i don't mean to i i mean i i do i fully mean to make people uncomfortable with this because it is a conversation that needs to happen and it's something that needs to be viewed it's something that needs to be talked about and people need to have have a light shone upon it, shined upon it. I don't know. We're on the verge of something catastrophic in our world. And it's just, I, I have no words for it as a, a father of three that are all under 10. This is not a world I really want my kids to be in. And I hope this matter gets resolved quickly. I absolutely agree. Um, 
if you are comfortable with anything that is happening, if this is okay for you, then you are not on the right side of history. I can tell you that right now. This is, this is atrocious. And to see so many people sing his praises is, it just goes to show how far people have fallen. I mean, and how far people will go and it's horrifying. It really is. And I, I would like to say I'm so proud of the Ukraine people for what they're doing though. I mean, fighting back and fighting back as hard as they are, um, definitely look into resources to give your support as you can, um, look around, um, activism doesn't have to be going to Ukraine, but you can see how you can help, help with your money, help with how you support things. Look at what you can do as a person to show your support for a country that is a sovereign nation and is under attack right now by, by a crazy person. Exactly. Even if it is literally just changing your social media page to have a little bit of that Ukraine flag in there, do it. Let people know that you are on the the right side of history. Silence does not do you anything in this circumstance. The bureaucracy of everything in our political system right now just is allowing way too much to happen and it is not okay. I, I just, I, I needed to have that said and I appreciate your words today, Rainey, as well. Um, I don't, re- there's no real good way to transition into this, but we have a quick ad spot from our friends at the Oftopia Cult. Uh, they're part of our brain trust that uh, we have with the Unchef podcast and the Fuck My Work Life podcast. Uh, so we're going to have a quick break with a word from them. We'll come back and we'll talk about more fun stuff, I promise. And welcome back. I hope you all enjoyed that quick ad from the Oftopia cult. Uh, definitely check them out. We have a link to their podcast in our description. And again, we have Rainy joining us from the Red Dove podcast. We have links in the description below for their podcast, their website, and their Patreon. Definitely support them as you can. Um, Patreon is a great way to help support creative people. And this is one that I would strongly recommend that you support as well. Uh, they're a, a very good podcast. I, I listen to them as every episode comes out. And I again, I, I can't not be excited about having Rainy here with me today uh, to talk about this show. Because again, Captain America is my favorite character. And this honestly was my most anticipated Disney Plus show. I know a lot of people were excited for WandaVision and What If and Loki. Loki was a lot of fun. So was WandaVision. But I just I have that soft spot for Captain America. I, I love that idealism of truth and justice and doing the right thing. That, that Boy Scout thing that people hate about Superman. I... I love it. I, I wish people could be that good. And that's what makes Captain America and Superman and all these superheroes stand out to me. So uh, with that, we open up with the Falcon and the Winter Soldier with a very interesting first episode. It was uh, Sam coming back after being gone and the end result of uh, Avengers Endgame where he has been bestowed upon the shield and the mantle of Captain America if he so wants it. And Bucky's dealing with some therapy, which is really interesting to see in that it was contingent upon him being, uh, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Pardoned. Uh, pardoned. Yes, thank you. Uh, pardoned for his actions in Captain America Civil War. Uh, so yeah, Steve and Bucky, or Steve, Bucky and Sam are kind of having their own little setups for their arcs for the series. And 
Sam is uh, dealing with having been gone through the blip for five years and what the financial ramifications are from that. And we learned some interesting things, which like the Avengers never used money. They just skated by on goodwill. And Bucky is slowly trying to make amends using Steve's book. And then at the end of the episode, Sam gifts the shield that Steve gave to him at the end of Endgame to uh, the Smithsonian and the, the Captain America, Steve Rogers wing of the museum. And then at the very end of the episode, we find out that shocker of all shockers, the government didn't hold to its word and gives the shield and the mantle of Captain America to John Walker played by Wyatt Russell, which I just have to say off the top, Wyatt Russell as John Walker, he did a fantastic job and he did not deserve a lot of the vitriol that he received throughout the, the run of the show. Uh, but again, that, that, that speaks to his performance that people really did not like him or John Walker. So with, with that, the, the setup, Rainey, how did you feel through the first like episode or two of the series uh, with how they, they set up the conflict initially? I thought it was very timely. I thought that um, of all of the Marvel uh, shows and movies, I, I thought that they kind of set it up to really talk about a lot of social issues that we're dealing with today. So that was my first immediate thought was that first episode where Sam and he's dealing with, you know, his boat and his family being in financial ruin. And, you know, that was having that thought, like the adventures don't get paid you know, and then who's able to afford things and who's not that, that scene when he's in the bank, I thought was just very, very telling of, you know, he's helped save the world, but he can't get alone. And, you know, the use of his body, you know, physically and actually to save the world, but, you know, the money thing, again, this barrier that he cannot break through as a literal hero of the world, but he's still not trustworthy enough to get a loan to save his family's boat. That I thought was very telling. And as soon as I saw that, I was like, oh, okay. I think that we're going to talk about some, we're going to dive into some actual like social issues that are relevant right now. So I, I really enjoyed that setup for sure. That's, that's something that I almost always completely forget about that. Uh, I mean, there's the meme of him like doing the little flappy wings and he's like, that's where you know me it's such a good scene for Sam too, because you get that, I, that idealism that he has, you know, people are good. The banks are good. They, if they know you, they'll, they'll take care of you. Is that very old fashioned idea where the banks used to have a little bit more freedom of like, Oh, they've been a member for 20 years. Of course, we'll, we'll figure something out to get you that loan, but not in this modern day algorithm credit score world that we have now. Uh, if you don't have the right income, if you don't have the right debt to income ratio, if you don't live in the right neighborhood, you're not getting a loan. And I think it also kind of speaks to the dichotomy of sometimes the the attitude of the Black community when faced with things like that, you know, because his sister was very much so like, they're not going to help us. Like, it does not matter that you are an Avenger, you know, so you kind of have this duality of, you know, hey, like, you know, I've done the right thing. I did everything I'm supposed to. So I should get this American dream, right? Like if I do the right thing, then I should be okay. And then the flip side, but don't forget, first and foremost, you're Black. And that means something different in this country. So it doesn't matter how good you are, you still won't reach those levels. So I, I think that his sister being very 
I wouldn't even say pessimistic, but very realistic uh, in contrast to Sam's optimism, you know, and he's thinking, yes, this is going to be fine. And she's like, it doesn't matter. It does not matter that you save the world. It does not matter. They are not going to help us. And, you know, watching him kind of be crushed under that when he realizes that that's true. And then that banker still has the audacity to ask for his picture after denying him a loan to save his family's, you know, save his family's business. It was, I, very telling of, I think, the way the show was going to go. And that's, that's a great point of the show does touch on a lot of social issues. Personally, I don't feel like they, they do enough to really get those issues, those points across, um, especially in the scene w- later on in the series. Uh, I think it's just before they break out Zemo, where Bucky introduces Sam to Isaiah Bradley for the first time. After they're out of there, Sam and Bucky have a very loud disagreement or discussion and the police show up and they immediately side with Bucky and it's like, okay, yeah, that's, that's what would happen. And then they realize, oh, they're Avengers. And then the, the, the story kind of shifts a little bit where they're a little more lenient towards Sam because he has something to quote unquote offer society compared to their preconceptions. And then the, the story shifts a little bit back when Bucky is the one being arrested. But again, I feel like that undermines what they were originally trying to do because they're like, oh, well, Bucky has worn out for his arrest because he missed a therapy session. But they were trying to go somewhere, which they do go there with, uh, with John Walker. Um, there is eventually something that is uh, very, very telling and very obvious uh, that we'll get to in a minute. But there, there are things like that where I feel like it's a little undercut where they, they're like, oh, they're, go- they're going here. No, no, they're not. I think it's a little scary, right? Like I think Marvel realizes it's happening, but I, I think that maybe it wasn't quite brave enough to go as hard as it could have because you have these people who are like, oh no, it's too woke. I just want to enjoy. But I mean, the thing that people need to understand about Marvel and especially Stan Lee is he has always been like this. He has always talked about social issues. So balking from them is not really Marvel style. I mean, all of X-Men was about the civil rights movement and, you know, Martin Luther King Jr. versus Malcolm X and how they both approached, you know, segregation at the time. So Marvel has always been like this. So I, I, you're right. I would have liked to have seen them really push it further because I think the audience can handle it. I think it's the time and place. They're, like we said, very real issues that we're seeing here. And Sam Wilson is a part of that. Bucky is a part of that. They're in this world that has been left behind after this blip, but there are still things that cannot be erased. And racism is one of them. So I would have liked to have seen them really be very clear about where they stood on it. Exactly. And that's, that's kind of, I think that's more Disney's input than maybe Marvel's because there is that broad appeal that they have to have for all their other markets. They have the, the queer baiting that they've been doing with a lot of their live action remakes, especially with uh, LeFou in the live action Beauty and the Beast. They're like, oh, he's our first openly gay character. But you never really get any kind of open confirmation until the very end when there's a moment that could easily be deleted to make all the other markets happy. Otherwise, he's just a very flamboyant Frenchman who he just whatever. And then there, there was uh, the Rise of Skywalker, where there is an, uh, a woman on woman kiss. And again, very easily deleted that could make every other market happy, even though the Rise of Skywalker has its own issues that we're not going to get into. It, it is something that I do feel like is they 
they went to the boundary, but they wouldn't cross it because of that broad appeal that they, they want so they can keep getting money from all sides, which again is a different issue for a different time for business ethics and all that sort of stuff. So with John Walker being debuted as the new Captain America, I find that the the dynamic is really interesting because he really wants Sam and Bucky to be his friend. They want him to be, he wants them to be in on this plan with him. And they're just like, no, dude, we don't know you. We do not endorse you. The government went behind our backs. We don't know you. And we're not going to work with you because of all these things that just create no trust from you. His character is a really interesting character because I mean, one, when you look at what America did, right? They were like, we need a new symbol, right? And Captain America handpicked Sam. He said, you are my successor. I want you. But America said, "Mm, we need a a military captain, white, blonde hair, blue-eyed, right? Like another very old school Captain America, right? Like this is the icon of what America is, which is, you know, I think why Sam was so hesitant to step into that role, because like this, this symbol means something, you know, like in that um, first episode, he's like, you know, symbols don't mean anything without the people behind them. And he was very afraid of the person being behind that shield, being a black man, would America accept that? And America choosing John Walker kind of shows, no, you aren't what we need. You're not the patriot we need. We need, we have a look that we're going for, and that's not what you fall into, which I can understand why. Sam was like, I don't think that this is me. They're not going to accept me. And what I thought was also very interesting is that John accepted it. John Walker accepted it with no questions, right? Like he very much was like, oh yeah, of course. Why not me? He never questioned his worthiness for holding up the shield, right? This exceptionalism, like, yes, I'm absolutely wonderful. I absolutely embody all of this. And you know, it almost becomes like this protection for him, right? Like, and, you know, you you see, we have American exceptionalism where we, you see, we don't think that anything is wrong if we're doing it under the flag, right? If it's under our flag, if it's under these symbols, then we have to be right. And saying we are wrong means you're a traitor. You don't love America. So going against John Walker is going against America, Right. And that's the attitude that John Walker has throughout the show. Like, of course, I embody America. I embody all of these things, right? And I am completely okay with that. And, you know, you can see how very uncomfortable it makes Bucky and Sam. I I think for two different reasons, but it is a very uncomfortable thing watching. Just like, he goes along and he does not question anything. He does not question if America is doing the right thing. Simply because America says it and he's like, yes, I am 100% for you. But in the series and in the movies, we see Captain America, you know, Steve Rogers, he did question America. In fact, he almost feels like it is, you know, very American to question, you know, what are we doing? Is this okay? And to see that symbol of America be put onto someone who does not question whether or not things are right or wrong, I think that makes both of them very uncomfortable. Yeah, two of the highest praised Marvel movies, The Winter Soldier and Civil War, are about Steve questioning and defying his country. Winter Soldier, you have S.H.I.E.L.D. who's trying to create this preemptive counter-terrorist measurement, which he's he openly says, this isn't freedom, this is fear. And then in Civil War, he again agrees with or disagrees with the, the Sokovia Accords and 
he is to me he is 100 right sorry lewis i am still team cap in all these situations we've had a long-standing debate about whether or not iron man is right in, in civil war and i i don't agree with it especially when they translated it from the the comics into the movies i i think the sokovia accords are 100 wrong and marvel i think even is still kind of like what do we want to do with the accords because every now and then they don't matter and then sometimes they do matter like spider-man nothing came up i finally saw spider-man everyone by the way i finally saw no way home uh my wife and i paid 20 bucks for an empty theater so it was a great experience for us but spider-man there's there's nothing to do with the accords and in, in the entire fallout in the first act of that movie and yet there's a big part of the accords happening in wandavision in the winter in a falcon and the winter soldier so like what what do the accords really mean even five years after the blip and once everyone's back as far as like john walker you're right he doesn't question anything with america he says my country calls on me to do this i will do it because i am a soldier whereas as the symbol of truth and justice he needs to call out bullshit when he hears it which is where steve rogers saw that in sam and we see that time and time again throughout the series bucky goes behind his back to break out zemo and he's like i knew you wouldn't agree to it so i just went and did it because it needed to be done which again is kind of a, a steve rogers thing to do it's kind of the light and dark side of steve we saw that with the end of civil war where he broke in and got everyone out of the raft um, it was the right thing to do, but again, he's defying his government. Right. Like there's that famous quote by the great author, James Baldwin, where he says, I love America more than any other country in the world, which is why I insist on the right to perpetually criticize her, right? Like what greater show of loving a country and having patriotism than wanting it to do better. And, you know, we, we're both parents. We love our children. That's why we criticize them, right? Not not badly, right? Like, but I was just about to bring up kids. Yeah, right. Like we want them to do better. We don't just let them go crazy and do the wrong thing and be like, oh, but I love you. So this is fine. Like, no, I love you enough to punish you. I love you enough to set you on the right path because what you're doing is wrong. But when we transfer that to America, for some reason it gets all weird and it's like, oh, you hate the country, when that's actually further it's the furthest thing from the truth you love the country enough to put the energy into wanting to see it be better exactly and one of the one of the things my wife loves to say is that equality is not a pie just because other people are being treated equally does not mean you are being treated less equally and that's that's where a lot of our our ethics come from um there's a great line from a, I don't know if you watch Bluey at all. Um, I don't know how old your kids are, but uh, Bluey is a fantastic kids show. Anyone and everyone should watch that show. Uh, there's an episode where the mom is trying to get the kids out the door to go to the playground to meet up with a friend. And she's trying to get them out the door, but they keep procrastinating doing kids things. And um, Bluey wants to know why they need to be on time to go to this play date at the playground. And the mom just says, because it's the polite thing to do. And they, they go through this talk of eventually getting to the point where the mom says, because being a good kid eventually should translate into becoming a good person. And being a good person is reflection on how I raised you. And it's just being a good person is a good thing to be. It's obviously very hard to be a good person because people make it very difficult. But Again, this is kind of what makes Sam an ideal candidate to be Captain America is he has that optimism that people can and will be good if you give them the opportunity. 
but there's things like the system that is broken that won't allow them to be sometimes, or there's nationalism that people just think, oh, well, if you're criticizing it, then you're saying it's wrong. But if we're the best, how can we be wrong? I agree. A lot of times, and even in the show, we see the actions of people and you like, yeah, you know, they're bad or you have that kind of black and white kind of this villainy. But I I think one of the great things that Marvel is stepping into is we don't have these big villains in these shows as much anymore, right? Like you have these characters who are walking in the gray, right? Like you can, they're the things that maybe they're doing are bad, but it's like, you know, Sam said near the end of the show, right? Like, is anybody stopping and asking why? Why are they doing these things, right? And, and you know, the people who are supposed to be good, you know, what is their why versus the people who are supposed to be bad? What is their why? Why are they doing these actions? And I, I really like that he said that that was one of my favorite quotes in the entire show was that question of why? Why do people feel the need to go to these lengths? It was a very good Captain America speech. <laughs> Um, so yeah, to your point, the the Flag Smashers have a very Eric Killmonger uh, kind of stance to them where they are not wrong per se, like their their actions are somewhat justified, but again, it's their methods and how they get to the resolution of the of solving the problem that becomes the the real issue with them becoming more villainous than it is protagonist. Um, you start off, they're just looting and creating problems kind of like a rebel cell or revolutionary America. They're doing things that would inconvenience the the powers that be, but they're doing it for their benefit and ideally an overall good. But eventually they get to a point where they're blowing up buildings and killing people and causing collateral damage. And they're not caring about it. Or at least Carly is not caring about it so much. And that's where she becomes more of a villain where I kind of lost it with the show is that, yeah, okay, Carly's transitioning into a villain, but John Walker kind of gets a redemption arc, which we have, we have, oh, we'll get to that in a second. We do need to talk about the very obvious parallel of police brutality with John Walker killing one of the Flag Smashers openly in public with the Captain America shield. I don't know if you want to take the reins on that. Um, that that's something that I feel maybe needs a, be- a different and better perspective than mine. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I thought that was very telling. I would have liked to have seen more consequences with him. I mean, that was disappointing because I think that's where we're having problems or, you know, it is a direct parallel to, you know, nobody would have ever believed that this symbol of goodness, of rightness could be capable of such evil and such terribleness had it not been captured and how often do we see that right had nobody been taping George Floyd he would have just been another criminal right and we would have just believed the words of these people who are set in these authority positions who have this unchecked power against other people's lives and we would have just believed it and and it takes videotape and it takes proof to show, no, these are fallible people as well. America is not infallible. The police are not infallible. They are human beings and they are capable of doing corrupt, horrid things. And watching that moment and watching people videotape it, and that's the only reason why he got caught, right? If that had not been videotaped and if it had not embarrassed America on the world stage, I don't think he would have had faced the same consequences. 
I think that they had to do it to save face, but I honestly and truly don't believe that it, anything would have happened to him at all had that not been videotaped. And again, very telling of who do we believe in society whose words are, are hold more weight because, you know, one thing about the flag smashers is, you know, a lot of them are young. They are economically displaced. They don't have a home country anymore. And a lot of them are people of color, you know, and they are poor. So, you know, a lot of times we automatically look at them as a society, at people who are poor, who are people of color, who are young, and we look at them as being less trustworthy than these authority figures that we put in place of them when we realize that these authority figures can and often abuse their powers in these power trips and there's no way to fight back. And the way to fight back is to prove this is what's happening. So I thought that that was a really great parallel that was made there. And to your point, um, the idea that he essentially got paid administrative leave or whatever the, the term is, that was, I think, intentionally frustrating. I think that was intentional that they essentially just went, uh, okay, you don't get the uniform anymore, but you still get all the benefits. Um, we appreciate what you have done, but we don't like that you got caught. And so we're going to just kind of let you fade away into the background while still getting all your benefits. Um, I thought that was very telling where my issue comes in with uh, how John Walker eventually gets treated is with him being welcomed into the final fight with Sam and Bucky. Uh, I think that was a big mistake for Marvel um, just because yeah, Carly's gone full villain. He shows up and he's still kind of got that villainous tone to him. He's and uh, back backtracking a little bit to your point about corruption. We get that visually with him taking the super soldier serum. Uh, he has fallen into the dark side and uh, fallen into corruption because he he no longer believes just in himself and in his abilities. He needs to level the playing field by diving into or taking the super soldier serum to become more Captain America. But uh, there's a great line with him and uh, I forget his friend's name. His, he's Shatterstar, but I can't remember his name. Uh, Lamar Hoskins. Lamar Hoskins. Okay. So yeah, Lamar Hoskins. Um, he, um, Battlestar. He, they, yeah. Battlestar. Battlestar. Yeah. Shatterstar is from Deadpool. Um, Battlestar. They have that conversation of if you had the super soldier serum, would you take it? And they just say, it makes you more power makes you more of who you actually are. Right. So why wouldn't I, if I, if I were you and like, why wouldn't I? And it, it does kind of come back to the Steve Rogers thing of the, the serum just kind of amplifies who you are. But in this case, they've worked around that with the guy who recreated the serum. He took away all that and he, he took away the muscles and it's all espionage now. And it's all spy game where you could have tiny little Carly Morgenthau who can now lift a car. So it, it kind of changes how it represents. No longer are you going to have people looking like the Red Skull. You're just going to have people who look like anyone else, but now they have this power that you don't know about. And uh, it does speak to the corruption idea really well. I, I'm glad you used that word. That word kind of triggered that idea. And it, I, I thought it was really pro prominent that um, John Walker kind of did that with the, the serum. And I mean, it was all foreshadowed anyway, but uh, it was, it was there. And I, I think that that is a good thing, but again, they, they kind of take a couple steps back at the end when they let him fight alongside the protagonists and kind of be welcomed into the fold. 
yeah, it, it reinforces that exceptionalism, right? Like, yeah, you did wrong, but you know, at the end you can have a redemption arc and just the idea of who gets redeemed and who doesn't, why does he get redeemed and other characters don't who have done less, less terrible things, right? Like, you know, I, I don't know if you want to talk about him, but are you, can we talk about Isaiah Bradley? Of course, definitely. Um, everything with Isaiah is like that. That is Oscar Emmy level stuff right there. A hundred percent agree. I mean, where was Isaiah Bradley's redemption arc? I mean, like, I think it just goes to show. So Isaiah Bradley was another super soldier at the same time, right? A black super soldier who was given that serum and he did the same thing that Steve Rogers did. Remember Steve Rogers, like he, he, he defied orders to save his company, save his guys. And he was a hero. Isaiah Bradley did the same thing. And he was, he was cast out and he was, he was pushed out. And, you know, again, this idea of using black bodies in America, in the military, it, it is historic, right? The erasure of black contributions, the fact that Sam Wilson never knew that there was a black super soldier. The world never knew of the contributions Isaiah Bradley made. He was tortured and he they used his body and experimented on him. And that is something that is indicative of uh, American history that we don't talk about, right? I mean, it all that reminded me of uh, was the experiments that they did on soldiers and you know, how in the different wars, in the world wars, you know, they would use black soldiers to shield white soldiers in, in battle or, you know, the syphilis um, experiment where, you know, they, they gave placebos to black men thinking that they were being cured for syphilis. And they were really just doing a study on how fast syphilis could spread throughout a community, right? Like the black bodies in America have historically been ex expendable and they're not given the same respect. So Isaiah Bradley could have been another Steve Rogers, right? He, he could have, you know, that we talk about how the serum corrupts people, but he was never corrupted, but he was never given the chance. He was never given any glory. They used him and abused him and chewed him up and spit him out and watching the pain in his voice when he talks about how he gave everything to this country and this country gave nothing back to him and to live his whole life watching Steve Rogers being flouted around, flouted around and paraded as this hero. And he did the same thing. You know, it, it's again, like black culture, right? Like, you know, as a black person in America, you can never do the same things as your white counterparts, right? You will not get that same respect. Again, and it's parallel to how Sam feels, right? He knows he's not going to be looked at the same as Steve Rogers is, is as Captain America, right? He can't do the same thing. Had Captain America gone in for a loan, they would have approved him. Had And had Sam Wilson smashed somebody's face in with the shield, his punishment would have been much worse, right? So this, this idea that, you know, we do not live in the same Americas, right? There is a Black America and there is a white America and people have to play by different rules. That was very evident in Isaiah Bradley. He had to play by a different set of rules and he was held to a different standard, which was impossible for him to meet. It was just so powerful to me. Um, it's it's something that, uh, again, as as a white American, I I hear things like from your podcast and uh, trying to 
learn myself to, you know, try and raise my kids better and have them understand that equality is not easily attained. Um, we are definitely privileged being white people in America, but we want to call out bullshit when we see it. And Isaiah Bradley just encompassed all of that so well in this show. Um, he's disillusioned. He He's the other side of Sam. Uh, he's the other side of the coin that is Sam. If Sam kind of continued down this path that didn't lead him to becoming Captain America by the end of the series, he probably would become more like Isaiah. And I I do like the potential foreshadowing that Isaiah's grandson, I believe, could become the Patriot as well because he's all excited about Sam and everything. And uh, the I there's there's a trope in movies that I really hate, especially nerd movies. And I found it really funny that the Falcon and the Winter Soldier pulled it off like weeks after Godzilla did. And I was just like, oh my God. Uh, so in Godzilla versus Kong, there's a moment where they, they go into the testing pit. They find the giant robot Godzilla. And one of the people uh, that's in the pit is like, oh my God, they created a, a robot Godzilla. And then another character just goes, no, that's a Mecha Godzilla. Just because they got to do a name drop of the thing. Otherwise, nerds are going to be mad. And then a few weeks later, you have the Falcon and the Winter Soldier in the finale where Sam's full-on Captain America now. And you got that one guy who's going, that's the Black Falcon right there. And then you have a guy who's recording it going, nah, that's Captain America. And it's, it's still cheesy and it's still dumb, but that one is more powerful because it means something. Whereas with Mechagodzilla, you're just name dropping it because nerds are going to be mad if they just say, oh man, a robot Godzilla. But when you see that the public is recognizing and acknowledging Sam as Captain America, it means something. And I, they pull, it's the same trope, but it's night and day with how well it's done. And I like that it calls back to that first episode, you know, where he's walking down the street or, and, you know, they're like, oh, you're the Black Falcon. And he was like, okay, why Black? Do I call you Black Kid? And they're like, well, you know, we have to differentiate, right? Like this idea, like I, I have to say this first and and for him to go through and the rest of the world seeing that he's more than the Black Falcon, right? Like he can be Captain America and be a Black man and he doesn't have to lead with being a black man first, which is what happens in black culture, right? You see our color first before you see anything else, right? Like I can't just be a teacher. I'm a black teacher first, right? And, you, you know, because it's that norm, you know, that normativity of white culture, right? Like being white is what is normal. Anything outside of that is something different. So you need to call attention to it, right? Like you know, we never said white Captain America, right? Like just Captain America. And then we're like, oh, but the black Captain America, right? Do the same thing with Iron Man, right? There's Iron Man and then, you know, War Machine, but you know, the, oh, the black Iron Man, right? Like, because anything that doesn't fall into that, it is something different. So for Sam to finally step into that role and to, I wouldn't say shed that mantle because, you know, he's very proud of being a black man, right? He's never ashamed of that. He loves being it, but he wants the world to see him as a man. Right. And, and to not lead with that and just see all of his potential and, and, and look at him as an icon, just like they did Steve Rogers. I, I thought it was, I really liked that too. Cause I, again, watching and, you know, watching those little black boys at the beginning, we talk about how important representation is they're seeing him and they're looking at him like, okay, 
you know, you are a superhero, but you know, you're going to be a black superhero. So you're a little different, right? We can be superheroes, but we can only go so far. He's telling them, you know, I'm just Falcon. You know what? I'm not black Falcon. I'm Falcon. And you know, like, I don't call you black kid, but they are known as black children. Right. So, you know, him kind of busting through that ceiling and, you know, not putting limiters on himself or on the children around him with that, not erasure of it, but that acknowledgement that he is Captain America now. I loved it. There's a really great moment in a, a Miles Morales comic that I believe happens after the Secret Wars arc uh, that happened in like 2015, 2016. Uh, his suit gets ripped and you can see his skin underneath. And so all of a sudden everyone's like, oh, a black Spider-Man. And he's having a friend, a conversation with his friend Genki. And he's just like, I don't want to be known as black Spider-Man. I don't want to be uh, black anything. I just want to be Spider-Man. I just want to do good. And it was a really good moment that I, to your point, it, it raised, it came, came back up with this uh, in the show as well. And it, it's such a, a good point to make that, yeah, the, the American dream is you can be anything. You don't have to be the black president. You can be the president. And that's something that really, to your point, just is fantastic about this show and what they did with it. So are, are you overly familiar with um, Sam Wilson's time in the comics as Captain America, or is this kind of your first exposure to Cap uh, Sam Wilson as Cap? It's more of my first. I didn't read as many comics, so I would love to be enlightened. It's <laughs> the, the Sam Wilson run to me, it really suffered because it was written, I believe Nick Spencer is a white man. I'm, I'm pretty sure he is. Um, it was written by a white man who was more interested in telling a story about Steve Rogers becoming a fascist or um, kind of an alternate reality Steve coming through and being a fascist and taking over America. And the, I, the, the overall story is very messy, in my opinion. Sam never really got a fair shake as Captain America, but they are bringing him back as Captain America soon. I believe in like May or June, um, there's going to be two Captain America books with Steve and Sam. And it's just like uh, Steve Rogers, Sentinel of Liberty, Captain America, and then uh, uh, Sam Wilson, like symbol of truth, Captain America, something like that. But basically, uh, for me, I, I wanted to really enjoy the Sam Wilson story, but it never really took off for me. No pun intended with him being able to fly. I also didn't really like the suit in the comics. Like I just, there's something about the suit that just, just never really worked for me, but in the show, I loved it. Like it translated wonderfully in, in the, in the show. Like it has that air force homage that they're going for with it since he, in the show, especially he's an air force veteran and you've got that stars and stripes and they even pulled off the mask, which is like full scalp to, to neck. And it just, it looks fantastic. It, it's something that just really worked well on screen but as far as like reaching out to the comics i would i don't know i it's something that i think you really need to kind of look into on your own because again i was expecting something a little better but nick spencer was more interested in telling the story about steve rogers becoming a villain which to me villain superhero villain swaps just they they aren't interesting to me it's it's not evil superman no thank you evil steve rogers no thank you yeah it doesn't really fit with who they are right like you can do that with I think other superheroes but those type of superheroes in particular 
it just, it, it takes it. I can't suspend my disbelief long enough for it. And it's, you know, it's fantasy and I still like, mm, not so much. Yeah. So, um, I, I, I got back on track. I got too distracted talking about the suit. The, the idea of Sam Wilson's run was that Steve becomes a fascist and he's now the leader of Hydra. And the, the original idea was pretty clearly that they wanted Sam to kind of prove himself and take down this fascist Steve Rogers kind of face the, the mirror, so to say, and, and be like, you're the one that gave me the shield, but now you're evil. So now we're going to fight there. There is speculation that they will eventually adapt that storyline, which I think would be a huge mistake because among other things, making Steve Rogers a fascist is a giant slap in the face to his creators who are Jewish. I think they could maybe pull it off if they use John Walker. Um, the way he ends the series is he's kind of being manipulated by um, Julia Louis-Dreyfus's character. Um, she's basically Madame Hydra. Uh, I forget. She's got a long name and they're just like, oh, call me Patty or whatever. And she's she's Madame Hydra. That's just how I remember it. But she's essentially pulling John Walker's strings and she's kind of building her own evil Avengers team for what we can tell. And I think if they use John Walker in that Steve Rogers role, I think a Secret Empire movie could work especially given that John Walker is pretty clearly not smart and he could be easily manipulated into like, Oh my God, wait, I'm, I'm the, the symbol of a fascist movement. What the heck just happened? And I think that would be pretty, pretty poignant in today's America as well, where a bunch of people are kind of unwittingly transitioned into supporting something that is un-American and anti-American. <laughs> Trump. Exactly. <laughs> I, I absolutely agree. I, I think that, if they went in that direction, it could definitely, I mean, I think if they had gone further with John Walker, I think that they could have really kind of made that point too, right. That we have, you know, we're dealing with, you know, the last four or five years, this like absolute division of, you know, who we are as Americans and what makes an American American and what does patriotism mean anymore. And, you know, this following blindly, even though it doesn't make any sense, like John Walker, right? Just followed blindly because America says this is what it is. And okay, here it goes. So I could definitely see him suddenly supporting things that 10, 15 years ago, you would have been absolutely abhorrent to support, you know, like, like, you know, we said at the top of the show, like 10, 15 years ago, people would have never supported a Russian invasion of a d democratic nation, a sovereign nation. And now suddenly this is okay, right? Like we're not questioning it anymore. Like that's what happened. There's a shit ton of movies from the eighties and nineties that are like Russia bad. We don't like Russia. And now we're just kind of like, some people are like, go Russia. Yay. And we're sitting back here like, what? No, they are very clearly the bad guys. Right. He has said multiple times how he would love to bring the Soviet Union back. Like that the fall of it was the worst thing that happened in the world. Like, so, oh, but I digress. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I had this thought, I, I had meant to mention it before. One thing that I really loved, um, and maybe I'm late to the game. It's very possible. Somebody has mentioned this before, but when I was watching it and, you know, Sam is playing with his cousin, you know, with his daughter, his, uh, excuse me, his sister's kids, you know, he, he's, you know, their uncle, right? He, he's literally uncle Sam. Oh, <laughs> right? that's a great point. I was more focused on his sister's name, which is Sarah, which is also Steve's mom's name, which we learned in Captain America's civil war. And Bucky's like, Sarah, 
It's like, oh, did he have a crush on Steve's mom when they were kids? <laughs> and speaking of Bucky, you know, one thing I noticed. So, uh, you know, his character going through what he went through, I want to just point out another parallelism to how he's treated for his war crimes. You know, he is going through all of this trauma of the things that happen and, and he gets therapy, right? But Isaiah Bradley never got any therapy and he was acting on the orders of America and he never got that redemption arc, you know, and like, you know, Bucky murdered people. Of course, you know, he was brainwashed and everything, but he still murdered people, but he's given therapy. He's forced to go to therapy. Right. And like, and, you know, again, I think this idea of like, you know, we talk about it on the red dove a lot, you know, black mental health and, you know, how oftentimes it, it, it is not, doesn't play a factor, you know? So Isaiah Bradley, all he had was his family. Once he got out after being tortured and captured for 30 years. Right. And, you know, what we did with him versus Bucky gets the second chance and he gets to go back out in society and they're trying to rehabilitate him and, you know, make him a functioning member of society, even though he's done these awful things, you know, same with John Walker, you know, he's not imprisoned anywhere, you know, he gets paid administrative leave. So, you know, you have these people who've done these really wrong things in the name of America and in the name of their organizations, and they're thrown away a little bit, but not to the same degree as Isaiah Bradley ever was right like just absolutely forgotten and and erased versus slap on the hand and that that's a great point too because John Walker uh I mean we don't know what Madam Hydra's level of any kind of national security is like is she actually a member of the U.S. government or is she just wandering these buildings on her own just because she has clearance who knows but yeah, she she walks in and just gives John a new suit and says, you are U.S. agent now. And like, oh, OK, so he has agency to act on behalf of the country again, uh, maybe not as Captain America, which doesn't hold as high of a prestige. But like he's he's just able to start wandering around in a costume and acting on behalf of the country again. That's that's not right. Yeah, absolutely. And that disparity of power. I mean, but the whole series was really about power right different forms of power who holds power who doesn't hold power what does it mean right the flag smashers are trying to grab power not to rule people but to make a place for themselves because they are displaced right um you know you have power along racial lines you have you know power among money you know with uh you know sharon carter as you know the power broker and um, oh, sorry. Was that a spoiler? All right. Uh, we've we're uh, I'll, I'll add a spoiler warning up top. Okay. I I'm so bad at doing spoilers with these things. It's been a year. If you don't know and you're listening to this episode, like what are you even doing? <laughs> exactly. But you know, like you see different levels of of power being grabbed at. Which funny thing, I was reading up on some online forum on Reddit and somebody made a great point, like these different shows, you know, WandaVision is all about reality, right? And Loki is all about time. And, you know, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, their theme is power. So I wonder if there will be three more series that have to do with, you know. What if is reality? So yeah, you, I mean, WandaVision is kind of about that too. So what are the stones again? You've got soul, mind, time, reality power and what's that sixth one um oh man i'm getting my nerd card revoked um, 
Uh, we, we, we just spent like 18 movies trying to figure these out. Space, space, mind, space. reality, power, time, and soul. Which you could argue what if is kind of taking that as well. Right. So that'll be kind of interesting. I'd like to see if they're going to, if they're going to follow through with that. That is, that is a really interesting point. I also, it, but it also to me kind of falls in that Thanos theory as well, where people are like, oh, time, uh, you know, Steve, Steve is going to be the soul stone because S is the only one that hasn't been found or whatever. Like what it's fun to theorize, but no, <laughs> we'll just let the creatives do what they do. Right. <laughs> Uh, so speaking of Sharon, I did want to talk about, uh, I feel like it's a real, I don't know, it's not a plot hole, but I feel like she became kind of an afterthought and then they just threw her in here as like a nice little twist because I don't feel like the character of Steve Rogers would forget about Sharon after civil war. She, she helped them. She helped them get Steve and Sam's stuff back. Uh, so they could go have their big fight in Germany. And then she just kind of went on the lamb. Steve went on the run for two years or so before Infinity War. It's just really weird to me that Steve would have this weird kiss with her, have like, oh yeah, we are romantically interested in each other and just completely forget about her after breaking his friends out of the raft. He wouldn't, I mean, yeah, she's a spy. She can go underground and disappear if she needs to, but I feel like Steve would be like, Sharon's not in the country anymore. We need to find her because she helped us. Um, it just seems like the the Russos probably went, no one's really buying into Steve and Sharon as a love interest. So we're just not going to acknowledge her. And then Marvel just kind of picked up the pieces after that. But it just, it felt like a really weird afterthought with her just kind of having been on the run for seven years. I, I don't remember if she got blipped or not. And they could have done so much more with that because I mean, I think that she falls into this theme of power, right? And this theme of, you know, accumulating power. You know, she gives her life to this agency that once again, chews her up and spits her out. Like we've seen time and time again with different characters within this show, you know, and, and she's making these power grabs for herself as, as you know, the power broker, um, you know, cause she gave her life to a system that kind of ultimately erased her, right? And like kind of left her out. And, you know, even again, it would be weird though for Steve Rogers to just erase her or forget about her. So I, I, that it's hard for me to, you know, again, suspend my disbelief long enough for that. But had they really fleshed that out a little bit more, I I think that they could have done more with that character. But yeah, it definitely felt like this will be a cool plot twist. Like who's the power broker? Oh, it's this person, right? Like, but I think that they could have done something more with that going all the way back to the winter soldier i feel like they could have replaced uh black widow with sharon and you could have gotten a whole different story arc out of and chemistry out of steve and sharon you could have kept the whole she's peggy's great great grandniece uh out of as a, a twist for civil war you could, but you have this idea of like steve building trust with this person who as far as he's aware, it could potentially be part of Hydra or he's part of, or is part of Nick Fury's like security network that he's also not very trusting of. So like the, you have, a, you could have an interesting story there, but instead we get Black Widow learning that governments lie again. So it is just, that's my, if I had one thing to retcon, it would be that um, as far as like Marvel stuff. And also I would get rid of Black Widow being a quote unquote monster for not being able to have children. Um, that was just such a bad idea. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, it was written by Joss Whedon, who, as we now know, is a horrible person. So uh, kind of shows. But I do kind of like that they kind of are going with this theme of like, you know, 
governments are faulty, right? Like even the the GRC, the Global uh, Repatriation Council, which is you know kind of this this entity within the show that uh, you know they're trying to get the world back to like status quo before the blip. But you know, as we know, it wasn't equal for everyone before the blip, right? Like you know they had socioeconomic problems, race problems. I mean, all of these other issues where people were not treated correctly and then everybody comes back and you know they are trying to put the money and all of the wealth back in the hands of the wealthy and the powerful rather than distributing it evenly and you know that's kind of what the flag smashers are like no like what do you mean go back to before the blip the blip that wasn't an ideal time you know it kind of reminds me of you know even during the um the Trump campaign when, you know, like, you know, make America great again and go back to this golden age of America. And it's like golden age for who? Because, you know, if you ask any person of color, any black person, like, Hey, if you could get in a time machine, would you go to the past? We'd be like, um, not any time before 1980. <laughs> There's no place in history in America that you would want to go back and be a black person, right? Like, I'd be like, I'll, I'll take my chances with the future. So what do you mean back to being great? Like, why would you want to go back to the status quo? Things were fucked up back then. Like, you know, so the flag smashers are, they, every right, you know, like we said, like their reasons, like, yeah, no, this wasn't good. It wasn't good for a lot of people. It was good for, you know, the top 1% of the world. Well, you know, the bottom 50% of the world lived in poverty and you want to take us back to that? No, no, thank you. Yeah. It's the, you can't put the genie back in the bottle kind of idea. You, you can't fix, you can't, return to the status quo after five years of people living somewhere and then reappearing and they're like, Oh, you got to go back to where you came from. No, that's especially in a fictional world where superheroes exist. And the, you, you literally restructured the world because of this tragedy. And now you're just going to kind of be like, we're going back to what it was. No, you, you're obviously being extraordinarily short-sighted and you're trying to appease the, the people that were blipped you got to find a common ground to make things work. I did want to touch quickly back on Isaiah Bradley. We'll come back to that and then we'll kind of close everything out. Um, I did like that Sam apparently has some kind of pull with the government to get a wing dedicated to Isaiah. It's kind of unclear as to how, what his status is as far as like being recognized, but at least they, there, there is a small step taken to kind of acknowledge his contributions to the country. I agree. And I think that, you know, again, the parallelisms to this sort of almost like, you know, we have this attack on, you know, quote unquote, critical race theory and showing the ugly side or, you know, the the side that makes people uncomfortable of American history, but it's really telling the full story, right? You know, in history books, we learn about World War II, but we don't learn about the atrocious things we did to Black soldiers or when they came home, they couldn't use their VA benefits to get a home loan, you know, and they were redistricted and redlined so they couldn't get credit or buy houses, right? Like we don't learn about, you know, the syphilis project that was done or the Tulsa race massacre. We don't talk about those things and and we don't talk about the contributions of black culture in America. You know, it's more like, okay, well, we'll talk about a little bit of it during Black History Month. We'll talk about the peanut, right? George Washington Carville, peanuts, yes. But we don't talk about, you know, the endurance of this culture 
that has lived side by side in America, but lived in a completely different America and how it has helped shaped America. And the acknowledgement of Isaiah Bradley's contributions, I think, is kind of where we're trying to get to, right? Like we have to acknowledge the ugliness of our past. Otherwise, it doesn't work, right? Like you can't tell Isaiah Bradley's story without acknowledging the really fucked up parts too. And does it feel good? No, absolutely not, right? And it dispels that myth of American exceptionalism, right? Like we do awesome things and we're always awesome. No, we're not. We're not a great country. We're not amazing. We've done some horrific things, but we don't get better by sweeping it under the rug and pretending it didn't happen and erasing an entire culture, you know, women and Black uh, Americans and, you know, Latinx Americans and, you know, uh, those in the LGBTQ community, we erase their contributions all the time because we don't want to talk about the ugly way that they've been treated in this country. And it leads people who don't realize what's going on or don't realize all of the beautiful things that have happened too. So I think that America having to take a really long, hard look and being like, this is what we did to Isaiah Bradley and he persevered and he is a hero. I, I think that, you know, that's kind of the step that, you know, a lot of people are pushing for now, right? That this is, this is how we make it right by talking about it, by being very frank about it, by tearing down monuments to people who weren't that great and looking hard at our history and doing better because we know better and because we acknowledge it now. Amen. Um, yeah. And that, that speaks to Sam's Captain America speech at the end too, when he's getting that, that interview from the news team. And he's just talking about, I'm a black man wearing the American flag on my chest and on my back. It's not something that comes easily, but it's, it's about hope and it's about optimism and it's about being better and trying to make everyone and trying to help everyone be better, including ourselves. No one is perfect. No one's trying to like I had mentioned earlier, equality is not a pie. No, just because someone else is getting e- better and equal treatment now, does that mean I'm losing any any of my benefits or any of my treatments as well? And I do feel like the show really wraps that up really well with the uh, the community potluck at the end. Again, I'm backtracking because there's so much in the show. Uh, it's it's really just a four and a half hour long movie of a Captain America origin story. And I love it. I, I again, I there are flaws with this, and I don't think they take some of the 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 story ideas far enough or the parallels far enough. Um, but again, I think that's that's more for mass appeal, which they're a company first. They're trying to make a bottom line. But again, you you don't get anywhere without taking risks and without being the first. So there there's both sides to the story. Um, but I do want to say the training montage before Sam puts on the suit for the first time. I love a good training montage and Sam running around with the shield, throwing it around and doing flips and everything. I thought that was a really fun training montage. I agree. And I'm glad you mentioned that community potluck, the cookout, like, <laughs> you know, I, I love that. I love that they ended it like that because I think again, like it just shows there are so many ways to be American, right? It's not just this one way of being American, like America looks different. Americans are different. We celebrate differently. We love differently. We worship differently. We're all different, but that's what makes America, America, right? This melting pot of these different ideas and these different backgrounds and, you know, showing the beauty of that and showing like that ending was just as American as anything else. Just like Sam is 
just as American as Captain America, as Steve Rogers, right? Because he is Captain America. And as that Uncle Sam, right? This is part of American culture too. So I loved it. And to anyone who's going to raise a stink about us not really touching on Bucky's storyline, that is mostly just closing out his arc. He's he's no longer the Winter Soldier. He's the White Wolf. Um, he's, he's making amends. He's doing his best. And it's good character development stuff. And it feeds into his relationship with Sam quite a bit. But I don't think that it it really is the meat of the show. It's just a little extra filler side story to kind of flesh out the character a little bit more since we will probably see more of him in upcoming shows and movies. There's rumors that he'll show up in Black Panther 2, which is out later this year, I believe, or early next year. Bucky's story was more about him coming to terms with Steve being gone and accepting Sam and them kind of becoming friends, partners, co-workers, whatever the the line is that they have at the end but it it is a really good bromance as well which i know a lot of people love the the steve bucky bromance and i think sam and bucky have a pretty good bromance as well i agree and and i think there will be more time for bucky but i i think that i think that there is a reason why falcon's name was first i think because we need to reestablish captain america first and you know bucky came with that right like you know the winter soldier was the past and the falcon is the future right and we needed to kind of set that up and you know now that we've set up captain america now it's time for bucky to really understand what his relationship is with the new captain america who is not steve rogers and and how he views himself right because you know bucky's always viewed himself in the eyes of steve rogers and really looked at how he's seen through Steve Rogers eyes, but you know, now he has to kind of take ownership for his own life and how things are working and, you know, helping and being along for the journey of creating this new captain America and helping Sam Wilson. I think that that helps give him that diving off board to really venture into, okay, now who am I? And I think that's what we'll see the next season. But yeah, I, I agree with you. I think the real meat of it was really Falcon's journey and and Falcon's journey into becoming Captain America. Yeah, Sam is definitely the the main character. And um, again, having this conversation just has been a delight. And uh, what you're just talking about now reminded me that there is a, a discussion that Sam and Bucky have where Sam, uh, Bucky admits that Steve, he and Steve never even considered what it would mean for a black man to carry the shield, which... Uh, Again, as a white man watching the show, I'm trying to find the angles and trying to understand what the, some of these messages are. And it, through this conversation, we've had that uh, there's still so much that like I, I still am just completely naive to. And um, again, kind of feeling that naivety that Sam, uh, Bucky and Steve had where, again, like, yeah, okay, yeah, that's a police brutality uh, parallel and uh, erasing history because of slavery and uh, oh, but wait, what? There's there's corruption and there's all this other stuff that we're talking about. Like, oh man, I completely missed that. Yeah, you know, and I I do like that he made that realization. You know, there's um, you know, W. E. B. Du Bois, you know, the the very uh, famous activist um, from you know the late 1800s and abolitionist. Uh, you know, he talked about he coined the term double consciousness, right? And you know, that means as a person of color, as a black person in America, 
you are doubly conscious of your identity, right? You are conscious of how you are being perceived as a black person. So every interaction you have, you are thinking first of how are they looking at me as a black person? And then secondly, how are they looking at me as a person, right? So you see Sam has that double consciousness all the time. He has to think about how he's being perceived. But that is a concept that is completely foreign to both Steve and Bucky. So, you know, Steve didn't think about that, right? And, you know, so I, I'm glad that they circled back to that. And Bucky finally realized, like, it wasn't as easy to take that mantle because that was the first thing that Sam had to think about is how is the world going to perceive me as a Black man? And that thought doesn't cross the minds because if you live in a white space all the time, you don't think about your race first as much, right? Like, that is, a, you know, a very much so a person of color thing is we think about our race and every single interaction we have to have because sometimes it's a life or death thing, right? I have to think about my race and that scene where, you know, the police came to, you know, break up the fight between Bucky and Sam. Sam is immediately thinking about his race and how things are looking right now and how am I going to de-escalate this situation? They think I'm, you know, trying to harm him. And, you know, it probably didn't cross Bucky's mind the same way, right? So I, I'm glad that that kind of that full circle moment came back. And, you know, again, they, he was able to verbalize that. So, yes, I love that. When we have people and we have conversations, that's when we're doing our best and when we're trying to be better. And I do think that through this show, it it allowed me an avenue to reach out to the Red Dove and uh, Rainy was gracious enough to come on the show. And um, it just, this conversation has been more than I, I had even hoped for. So thank you so much. Um, I think we're going to wrap it up there. So again, thank you for your time. Uh, do you have any social media that you'd like to put out there? Uh, yeah, so um, you can... Follow us on the Red Dove podcast. We are on Apple uh, Play and Spotify and Good Pods. Um, so like us and give us five stars. It really helps us out. We also have a Patreon. Um, so definitely check our stuff out. It's uh, me and two other women, Liz and Blue, and we talk a lot. <laughs> so please come check us it's, out. It's a lot of good conversations too. Like I said, it's one of my weekly listens. I, I will find the time, even if it's before bed, I will listen to it. I, I still, the first episode I listened to was just, uh, it was local activism, I believe, uh, where you guys were talking about school board meetings and it just, it, it hit me really, really hard. And I've been a fan since, and I, I just, I, I love everything that you guys do. And again, I'm trying to be better. I'm, I'm trying to bring up the conversations with people that I know as best I can. And it just, uh, again, it, we don't get better without discussions. And th that was a big part of having Rainy and anyone else from the Red Dove that would have been on today that could have made the time um, to be here. Because again, we, I want to, I don't want this to just be, oh, comic books and colors and everything. I want us to, to have good conversations, especially with stuff like the Falcon and the Winter Soldier because it gives us an avenue to have these discussions and to raise these points. So again, Rainy, thank you so much. Um, you can follow me at Josh underscore, underscore scar on Twitter. You can follow the podcast at talking smack pod on Twitter. We are on good pods. We are on Spotify, which ew, uh, you know, fuck Joe Rogan too, while we're at it. Yes. <laughs> uh, we're on Apple and I'm trying to get us on more, but uh, our hosting site is kind of weird about getting us on other things. 
Uh, I believe we're on Google, but Google just isn't updating for some reason. I think there might be some old uh, hosting site issues that we have that need to be resolved. But again, Rainy, thank you so much for being on. Thank you so much for having me on. This was awesome. I was so excited when you reached out. I was like, yes, 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 yes. I love this <laughs> podcast. I listen to it all the time. So yes. We I'm appreciate you being one of our, one of our 20 listeners. So. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so thank you again. And I, I, again, I, I could not have asked for a better conversation and uh, I'm going to, I'm going to, this is going to be a, a top five episode for me for what we've done here. And I, uh, I hope we can have you back soon. And um, thanks again, everyone for listening. I hope we didn't turn you off too badly from this conversation because Sometimes these things can be difficult to listen to and they can be hard to, to have a conversation with people like Rainey. They make it extraordinarily easy. And uh, again, we, we can be better. We should be better. So thank you again, everyone, and take care.